0: Love it. Love it. All right. So we are in our brand new series called The Bride. It is a look at the church and our heart for this is to get to a biblical understanding of what the church is, but also and how we here at Mercy Hill, that expression of church that we participate in every week, our hearts in what it is to be the church. And so to get that in front of you guys and to remind ourselves of the beautiful thing it is to, be, to belong to Christ. You know, depending on your background, depending on your upbringing, depending on what type of church tradition you come from, right? Church, or or even your own personal experiences, a church could just be something that you do on Sundays. It's just that thing that your family does, no real relationship, no real connection, but it's tradition. It's something that we just do. But I mean, I think most of us, if you've been around Mercy Hill at any length of time, that this is something that is beautiful, holy, and sacred. And when Christ claims our lives, when he purchases us, purchases us with his blood, it is something that is bigger and deeper than just an event that we attend on a Sunday. And you see it in, uh, I want to remind you of a verse that we read last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when it's Paul, right? He's talking about the, the church in Corinth. He says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me! Exclamation point! I love how Paul talks a lot of times in his letters. It's pretty great. For I feel divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, right? So Paul is talking to this church in Corinth and he says, I betrothed you to one husband to be presented pure before him. This pastoral heart that Paul has for the churches that he planted churches that he went around, right? And he would establish a church in a city. He would then appoint elders, that he would raise up elders and appoint those elders to help watch over that church, to look after that church, to care for that church, to hold out the word of God so that that church would be washed, as we talked about last week, washed by the word of God, cleansed, made pure so that when Christ returns for his bride, that that church will be presented in splendor without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. And that's why the word of God is so important to our church, right? So Paul, this apostle who's claimed of Jesus, right? He was claimed by Christ on the road to Damascus. We know his story in Acts chapter 9. He's then sent out for Christ, right? He was once a persecutor of, of Christ and Christians, and now he is for Christ and for the church. He goes out to plant and establish these churches. He appoints elders and leaders over those churches so that those churches might be cared for, that they might be built up, that they might be watched over by elders, by shepherds, those who love the word of God and hold fast to it, so that the church, whether it's in Corinth, or Ephesus, or Philippi, or right here in Neshoda, centuries later, so that the Church of Jesus Christ, the Bride of Christ, would be presented as pure and spotless, without wrinkle or stain. That's the heart of this series. That's the heart of our church, that we would truly be the Bride of Christ, a bride that's in waiting for the return of our groom, awaiting this great wedding day, where we'll be presented to him in splendor, united with him forever. So this morning, just as we start, I want to remind you of the preciousness of the church. The preciousness of the church that Christ has died for us. And we like to think that as very individualistic terms right? My personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you made Jesus, right? You you hear pastors talk this way all the time. Have you made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. He is my personal Lord and Savior, right? And ultimately, you are responsible with the word of God that is preached to your heart. It is personal. I I can't walk with Christ for you. Your moms or dads, like if you're a teenager in this room or a young person in this room, like you have, we have to own our faith in a personal way at some point. But this church thing is meant to be lived in community. It's meant to be lived in unity. It's meant to be lived in a body. So I want to remind you of the preciousness of the church and the sacredness of this gathering that we have on Sunday mornings, right? God is here in our midst. We serve a living God, his Holy Spirit alive in each one of us individually, yes, but so powerfully in unity corporately as a church and his spirit gifts us and we'll be talking about this uh, in future weeks the, the holy spirit gifts his church for the building up of the church he doesn't just gift one guy or a couple of guys as heads and leaders of the church but he does appoint shepherds and pastors and elders over a church to help in the service of, in the, in the shepherding of, in the care of the church. But really, those shepherds, those overseers, those apostles, those evangelists, those teachers have been given to the church, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, to, uh, to build up the church, that we might equip the church, the saints, to do the work of the ministry of the church. And unfortunately, when you look around the church in general, what you have is you have a very small group of people using their gifts. It's a very small group of people that are actually engaged so deeply and beautifully, the way that it's been designed as the church of Jesus Christ, engaging in ministry one to another. And they leave it up to the professionals. They leave it up to those up front. Instead of beautifully and boldly living, being the church. That's a phrase that we use around here a lot. Being the church to the glory of Christ. So this gathering, every Sunday is sacred. And you've got something that you're bringing to this thing. And it might not be up front with a microphone, but you've got something that you're bringing. Those people that are in your row, shoulder to shoulder, in your row, like you've got something to offer them, something to bring to them, something given to you by God for this church to be built up into that holy, sacred bride. We'll be talking about that more in upcoming weeks here. And so I also want to remind ourselves of this calling that we have to this community, the responsibility of radical relationship that we have one towards another. The awesome responsibility that we have one towards another. And I don't know if we think that way a lot, right? We kind of have that cane mentality. Am I my brother's keeper? Do I have to look after that other person? Like, am I responsible for that other person? But yes, this awesome relationship that we're supposed to have as the bride of Christ, we have a role to play in each one of our lives. This is why last week we started with the word of God, right? Last week we talked about fidelity to Christ starts with fidelity and faithfulness to his word. We looked at Ephesians 5 and how Christ, he loves the church, that he laid down himself, and that he sanctifies his bride and makes us holy by washing us with the word. I've said it before. I'll say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. Everything in this life has been corrupted and has been affected by sin, right? Everything. Every one of our relationships is broken. Anybody married in here? You feel that sometimes, huh? Kids have to deal with teenagers and kids like like even just friends, right? How easily it gets mucked up. The effects of sin, the effects of selfishness and offense and whatever it is, like there is nothing in this world that has not been affected, corrupted to some degree by sin except this thing. This is the only perfect thing on earth. The words of God. That's why everything starts with and ends with the word of God. Everything. Everything starts with is the only perfect, uncorrupted, infallible, sufficient, not lacking anything. You ever gone through life and you go, man, I just wish I knew more. I wish I had more information. I wish the Lord would have said more about this thing. Do you understand that this word is sufficient? It really is. Sometimes I feel like I need to beat my heart into submission to it. Like I make it real complicated when it's not that complicated. I've said it like with the word of God and the spirit of God, Right? The promised Holy Spirit, right? Before Jesus left, he says, it's better that I go because I'm going to send the Comforter who's not only going to be with you, but he's also going to be in you. He's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. Convict us of sin. So that, like, what's so beautiful about it is that we as a congregation, we as a church, we as a holy and sacred entity lack nothing because of the Word of God and the Spirit of God inside of us. So we bring everything to the light of Scripture. And the Word of God, like in particular the book of Acts and Paul's letters, they give us a picture of what this church, what this bride, what this body is supposed to look like and what relationship looks like one to another. Let's read Colossians chapter 1. I don't know if we read this verse last week or not, but I want to read this. Uh, verse 15, speaking of Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all of creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or all things were created through him and for him. Oh, so awesome. Created through him, for him. That's why you were created. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Praise be to God. He holds it all together. 18. And he is the head of the body of the church. Who's the head? Jesus. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preem- preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, right? This is him being presenting us to himself, presenting the bride to himself, blameless. Lost my spot. Verse 23, if indeed you continue to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, in which uh, I, Paul, became a minister. Let's just pause right here real quick. Um, let's pray, and um, I know his presence is with us. I know he's speaking to us even now. He's speaking to me even now. Let's, uh, let's just pray before we continue on. Jesus, again, we thank you and praise you for the awesome joy it is to be your bride, the awesome joy it is to be a part of your church. I thank you and I praise you for the lives in this room, God, that you have claimed by your blood, that you have cleansed us, that you have justified us, that you have put us in right standing before a holy God. How is it that I can stand so filthy, so sinful, so fleshly? How could I stand before a holy God that dwells in unapproachable light? Thank you, Jesus, it's you that you claimed me, that you claimed us, that you've woven these people together, not by happenstance, not by accident, not just because we might share a similar zip code, but you have woven this church together for your glory. You've gifted this congregation. You have gifted these people to be in each other's lives, to be beautifully the church, to be the church to the glory of Christ. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us today and help us every day and every moment. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the church of Jesus Christ, right? The universal church, but then also this church, This church in Nishoda, this local expression, is precious to Jesus. Because yes, it is his bride, whom he purchased with his blood, that he claimed as his own, to be presented to him in purity and splendor when he returns. And another great illustration that really kind of brings home this relationship that we have one towards another. Another great illustration, one of the main illustrations in all of scripture, this analogy lends itself to the preciousness, is that he calls us his body. Did you notice that in our text today in, in Colossians chapter 1? And he is the head of the body, the church. The church is the body of Christ. He is the head of the church. We saw it last week in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We often think of this primarily about a husband and wife. This is a marriage passage. This is why we talk about it. But the mystery is profound, and he's referring actually to Christ and the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. There it is, bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of, Of his body. We're members of his body. The thing about belonging to a body is my hand and my foot share the same DNA. Right? Different function, much different function. I don't eat with my feet generally. Not at all, I'm just kidding. Right? But the same DNA. Share the same DNA. Share the same substance. And I want us to get that right. Like, I want us to understand that the church primarily isn't about having the same thoughts or the same thinking, right? This also plays into maybe some of our political sways, like political leanings, right? It's not primarily about that. Yes, the Lord does transform our minds, does transform our thinking, right? Good theology transforms thinking. And out of that thinking comes right living. So, yes, there's an element of that. The church isn't primarily about sharing the same morals, the same do-goodism, doing the right things all the time. How many, anybody do wrong things sometimes? Still do. I'm I'm your pastor and I still do. The church is first and foremost about sharing the same nature, the same substance, The same DNA coursing, right? The blood that flows through our veins is the blood of Jesus who has claimed us and made us his own. When we come to Christ, it's not just about having our thinking changed, but yes, that happens. More so, it's about having a nature change. It comes by the Spirit of God in the new birth, right? John chapter 3. We become new creations. The old is past, the new has come, right? I believe that's 2 Corinthians. I was once lost Dead in the flesh, it's my old man, fleshly and worldly, concerned primarily about myself and about self-preservation and self-advancement, concerned about my own glory, my own interests, but now through the birth of the Spirit, the new man consumed with the glory of Christ, denying the superficial pleasures of this world, and not just for the sake of denial, but because I've seen the surpassing worth of Christ. Right? Seen the surpassing worth of Christ, that he is my greatest treasure, my greatest joy. And so I gladly forsake the world because of him who has claimed me and made me his own. And now I share in him. It's a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. That is what the church is. And out of that miraculous work, out of sharing the same nature, not just the same thinking, not just the same morals, but the same nature, out of that, we commit ourselves to the glory of Christ above everything. If we could get 200 people in this room committed to the glory of Christ and to living out beautifully and boldly and just radically the scriptures, this would be unstoppable. We commit ourselves to bringing glory to Christ and reflecting his nature and his work of redemption because we delight in him above everything. Do we realize that this is meant to be done not individualistically, but in deep committed relationship as a body under the headship of Jesus? This is the simple heart of church. How many of you know that church just isn't that simple sometimes? It's just not, just not that simple sometimes. Been involved in church for, I think I shared it last year. I think it's been 20 years now that I've been in, in ministry. Graduated Bible school uh, back in 2001, so just over 20 years. And um, my first church experience was a church plant up in Minnesota. It's actually where I met Pastor Tommy, who's our teaching pastor down in Bayview, uh, we met up there. We we're, were a couple of Wisconsin guys who got displaced up in, up in Minnesota. It was, it was a rough time. Vikings fans are unbearable, just let me say that. But that's where we met. That's where Tommy and I met. That's where our hearts kind of got welded together in ministry. And uh, the church up there was, was awesome. It started off like really pure in, in its pursuits and like we were a team moving forward. And unfortunately, what happens, and it happens to a lot of churches. The church got kind of caught up, and in, in, in I guess that was kind of the tail end of the, growth move, uh, the, the church growth movement, all about meeting felt needs, all about ministering to people where they are at. It became about butts in seats and bucks in the budgets. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's about growing a church. It became about growing an organization, growing the entity of church. It was about experiences. It was about the best music and the best presentation, the best hooks and illustrations. And unfortunately, one of the elements was bite-sized teachings that were overwhelmingly light and encouraging and lacked depth and meat of the gospel. But man, did we grow. Man, did we grow. It became about, like I said, building the organization of church. And unfortunately, that whole situation ended really painfully. Like Anybody ever been in a situation, church situation, that was not so great and ended painfully? I've been there. I've been there. And looking back on it, it was amazingly God's grace. <laughs> It was amazingly God's grace because what he birthed in us coming out of that situation was something that we have tried to hold on to for the last 16 years in Mercy Hill Church. Out of that pain, out of that hurts, out of that... We, if we're going to engage church again, let's go back to the scriptures. If we're going, like, this American expression of church, right, and this being consumed with growth and being consumed with, like, the best, the best show in town... Let's get back to something simple. And what does that look like? And so out of that experience, really, we went to the book of Acts. Like, if we're going to start a church, if we're going to plant a church, if, we, if God has put in some, in us something to, to put our hands to for his glory, let's make sure it is aligned with his word primarily, right? First and foremost. So we went back to Acts chapter 2. What is the precious book? bride of Christ look like? Let's simply look at the scripture. So you look in Acts chapter 2, right? And you see that the church was what? It was birthed by the Holy Spirit, first and foremost. Not by strategies, not by marketing, not by, you know, let's check out the, the, the demographics of our area and let's figure out what's important and let's just strategize. It was birthed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait. You're going to be clothed with power from on high and the Holy Spirit came on them. It was supernatural, just like your salvation. The Holy Spirit came over the church. He birthed the church. And then from there there's this like simple and plain declaration. Right Peter starts to preach Jesus. <laughs> People are flooding out into the streets. Peter starts preaching Jesus. Jesus was both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified, didn't even like hold back, right? He's like, by the way, you're the guys who killed him. This Jesus was Lord and Christ. And it says in verse 37 of Acts chapter two that they were cut to the heart, that it was a thing that the Holy Spirit was doing in them. And Peter called them to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the life and the fellowship of the church at the end of Acts chapter 2 that you see. And really, these have been the verses that have been foundational to the start of Mercy Hill. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and of prayers. And then you see the effect, right? This is what the church did. This is what it means to be the church. They devoted themselves to four simple things, to the apostles' teaching, right, the word of God, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayers, and then awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is some radical community, isn't it? They were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part as a preacher, as a pastor. This is my favorite part. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's my favorite part. You know why? Why? Is not up to me. It's not up to me. It's not up to us. It is simply up to us to devote ourselves to the Word of God, right, the Apostles teaching, to devote ourselves to fellowship, to devote ourselves to breaking bread, right, to communion, to, and to devote ourselves to prayer. And all came upon them and the Lord added to their numbers day by day. It was simple simply being the church, and then you saw the effect. The Lord added to their numbers, those who were being saved. The Lord built the church. That's why we kind of adopted the phrase. We're not interested in building something. We're simply going to be something. And then the Lord ends up building his church. The Lord brought the increase. The people were simply being the church to one another. In radical devotion to these simple things, and radical devotion to relationship. This relationship, this being a body under the headship of Jesus creates responsibility and wonderful accountability. If you joined us for the gathering a few weeks ago on Sunday night, uh, Pastor Tommy said something uh, that, really, that really hit me. Uh, in, his, in his message that night, he says, We are a community of believers committed to accountability, not cowards clinging to anonymity. And look at the church, like there is this interconnectedness required to fulfill the simple value of loving each other. There's this interconnectedness that's supposed to be like we're supposed to know one another and be devoted to one another and care for one another if we are truly to love one another. It's really hard to love someone from an arm's length. It's really hard to love someone when there's too much distance. That's why there's this interconnectedness required. But many in the church, we want distance. Many of us in the church, we want anonymity. Actually, in some churches, it's often built into the growth plan. This is one of the reasons why, it, and you might, not, you might not know this, but when we discuss church in the background here at Mercy Hill, uh, we... We don't ever want an auditorium that seats more than 500 people. Like as we plant churches, as we move along as a church, that is one of our things. And it sounds like really dumb and like just super practical, but it's, but it's deeply, uh, it means something. Partly this, because once you get beyond that, it's really hard to be connected. It's really hard to be in relationship with folks. The, the, the room just gets too big and you can't know everybody. But also... What happens is, is beyond that, people can come in the door and they can actually hide. They can come in the door, they can slip in the door. Like, I, like I, grew, up, I grew up in a church uh, in the area. Started off, we were 75 people. I was a little kid. Grew, 150 people, 200 people, 300 people, whatever. I think now it's like 2,000 people. You walk into that church, you can slip in the door, slip right out the door, and no one ever notices you if you really want to. And unfortunately, that is kind of the goal sometimes for people to slip in the door, to slip out the back, and to never be seen, never be known, never be committed to the relationship that is required of us through the scriptures. Unfortunately, a lot of times, people don't want accountability. They wanna come and go as they please. And unfortunately, we saw this manifested profoundly through the middle of the pandemic. I shared with you last week, a little bit of the update, and so a a a little bit of the struggle out of 2020 2021, 2022, right? We talked about finances last week a little bit. But really, like a hard part of all of that was that people would slip out the door and never come back. People who you thought that we had this connected relationship with. And I look at the scriptures and I go, okay, so because the Lord Jesus Christ loves his bride, because he loves his body, he has appointed elders and teachers and leaders over the church to help shepherd and care for souls. And in Hebrews chapter 13, I believe, it says that one day I'm going to have to give an account for your souls. That the elders of this church, like Chris and and Larry and and the rest of the elders, like we're going to have to stand before Christ and give an account for their souls. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Like many of you know that uh, uh, here at Mercy Hill, like our Our method, at least historically, uh, up until right now, this is kind of part of the the reason why I'm making the announcement. Um, Our method of membership, uh, some people go, well, you don't even have membership at Mercy, what do we do? Josh says it almost every week, actually. We've got four pillars of what it means to belong to this church. We've tried to keep it simple out of that simple heart that I shared with you earlier, right? Attend regularly, number one, right? Seems to be a no-brainer, attend regularly find a place of community, be in relationships. So if that's a community group or whatever it is, be connected, be known by others and know other people so that you can press the gospel into somebody's life and somebody else can press that gospel into your life. Serve somewhere. Number three, serve somewhere. Find a place to belong and serve, whether it's the kids areas or whatever, but there's other opportunities as well. Serve. The fourth one, of course, is financially give. So we've always looked at it and gone, okay, so we don't have this piece of paper. I know a lot of churches that got this piece of paper. We get this contract out in front of you, and this becomes a thing, right? I put a piece of paper in front of you. You sign it. I sign it. And this is like the mechanism that keeps us in relationship. And it's always been something that's been attention to us because we go, you know what? I want this to be deeper. I want this to be actual relationship. I want this to be you've experienced salvation and, and, and been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I've been claimed by the blood of Jesus. The contract between us, is the blood of Jesus, right? Unfortunately, you end up with conversations that go really awkwardly where you think you're on the same page and you're not on the same page. You think that you're on this, in the same page in the same relationship that you have contracted in our hearts before God, that we are the church of Jesus Christ. That we belong to each other, and thus we have a responsibility one to another. That I am accountable for souls in this room. That the elders of the church are accountable for souls in this room. And so we wanted to, in that same heart of simplicity, thinking that, you know what, to serve the church well and to serve the scriptures well, that maybe we should bring some organization to this. And so we are pleased to announce, and actually we've had a lot of people really excited about this, that we will be formalizing membership here in the next few weeks and months. You're going to be hearing about a class coming out. It doesn't matter if you've been a part of the church for two days or, or since the very beginning. We're going to ask anybody who would call Mercy Hill Church their home to come to a class, whatever, and then you're simply just going to acknowledge at the end of the class that, yes, this is the relationship that I'm in with you guys. It's not, it's not going to be this big thing. It's not going to be this whatever. But we want to have an understanding of who is a part of our church and who I guess we're responsible for before the Lord, like accountable to before the Lord. Because someday I'm going to have to stand before him, and, and, and he's going to go, listen, I entrusted to you my bride. As an elder, as a pastor, as an overseer, I entrusted to you my bride. I want to be able to give an account. I want to say, yeah, we held out this word. This was everything to us. Your words were everything. And Lord, I did the best I could to wash them over with this word, to hand out this word that you might wash it over us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We are in a relationship as the body of Christ under the headship of Jesus commit ourselves to this type of community, this type of radical relationship, so that the bride of Christ, so that in him we might be built up, grown up, and matured in him. We're going to be looking at, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the other facets of what it is to belong to. We're going to look at ministry, we're going to look at unity, we're going to look at a couple different elements over the next couple of weeks in this bride series, and I'm really looking forward to it. It is something that I think a lot of times we just assume of each other, but really, it is, it is so good to revisit those scriptures and to wash that over us again. I want to read one final scripture before Nate comes in the band, and we, we respond here in worship in just a few moments here. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in the middle of a sentence here in verse 13, right? This is right after he says, uh, Paul says that uh, the church was given the apostles, the teachers, the evangelists, uh, the shepherds, the overseers, so that, so that the church might be built up to do the work of the ministry, right? And it says here, verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, uh, by the waves and carried out about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with it, which is, is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the goal. That's my heart. That's our heart for this church. I hope that's your heart for each other. So over the next few weeks, like I said, we're going to continue to look into this relationship, look into what it means for unity, look into what it means for ministry, so that we might, like my prayer always is, that we might be the church of Christ to the glory of his name alone. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you and praise you. For your goodness to your people, I thank you once again for the folks that you are weaving together in this room I thank you for all the wonderful relationships that are had. Like, like I have true, true friends and brothers in this room here today. That's because of you. I love the way that you've woven people together with completely different backgrounds. That They come together united under Christ and share in this deep and beautiful relationship. Building each other up that we might grow and mature in you to the fullness of Christ Jesus so that this bride, that this body might be mature and presented to you without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Holy Spirit, continue to wash over us the word of God, the word of truth. God, where we are out of step with your word, or where we are out of step in relationship, God, bring us together. Right now, I pray for your conviction. There are people in this room that have just been playing church, just going to church, just attending an event on Sundays, and living at arm's length to their brothers and sisters. God, I pray that you convict them right now and bring them to a commitment in that relationship. There are areas of your word that we've been rejecting, living in rebellion to. God, bring conviction and cause us to repent so that we might bring these lives both individually but also corporately as a church beautifully in line with your word. Again, to live to your glory. We love you, God. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together before we leave.